0: Welcome back, loyal listeners. This is T. Cole Newton coming at you pre-recorded from 12-mile limit here in Mid-City, New Orleans. You're listening to A Round with Stephen Cole, our, bar- our bartender podcast about life through our lens. That's my lens and also my
1: co-host. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, everybody. This is Stevie Mata back with another fantastic uh, selection of guests. Uh, two people who are you know, very well-known here in the Mid-City community uh, for their work, uh, opening businesses, working and just being providable. Uh, hospitable people. Um, So let's go ahead and let them introduce themselves.
2: Hey, my name is Pauline Patterson. I'm one of the owners of Treo on Tulane Avenue. And I also used to be one of the owners of Finn McCool's Irish Pub on Bank Street.
3: Hey, I'm Tyler Chauvin. Um, I am the general manager and the bar director over at Treo on Tulane and Banks.
0: And Tyler, you started at Finn McCool's, too, before. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, sorry. Trail on Banks.
3: It's on on Tulane and South Scott. I don't know where I work. I'm geographically challenged. It's it's tricky. I love mid-city. But you were
0: also with. Uh, you also worked for Pauline when she, when she was the owner of Finn McCool's as well. right? On Bank Street. On Bank (laughs) Street. (laughs) Finn McCool's is still on Bank Street. And 12 mile limit for those of you who may be not as familiar with our mid city neighborhood of bars. Um, 12 mile limit is sort of, is both geographically and ideologically (laughs) about halfway between the two. So (laughs) banks, we're between banks and Tulane. Banks is where Finn McCool's is. Uh, Tulane is where Treo is, and Banks, uh, sorry, uh, Finn McCool's is definitely more of a, it's an Irish pub, uh, Irish owned, and has always been, as, yes. as, which is First sort ever. of novel for an Irish pub, interestingly. Um, but they're definitely a neighborhood joint. You can get good stuff there, but it's not, It's not a cocktail lounge. And Treo is definitely more of an upscale. They've got an art gallery upstairs. They have a more extensive wine program. They have high end spirits and cocktails and, uh, a sort of an, sort of upper-class kitchen situation they're doing. And I feel like 12 Mile Limit, in addition to being geographically between the two of them, as I described, is sort, of, is sort of halfway between those two things. We have the fancy cocktails, but we're a bit more of a dive bar environment. And so it's sort of... I was really happy when... I mean, we've been... Sort of living in Finn McCool's shadow for a long time. I don't think I ever would have opened if we weren't a block away from Finn McCool's. Well, thank you. I, oh, you're <laughs> welcome. Thank you. <laughs> um, and that you know, I knew that there was there was business here for bars, even though this a block away. This was this was considered at the time to be the bad side of banks, with the invisible air quotes that you can't see because this is a radio program. Um, but I and it was a little bit of a dodgy proposition. But I knew that being just a block away from Finn's, we could open our doors and just get sports crowd overflow Overflow. and we would do all right so thank you for having done that um let's uh let's get into it a little bit with the history of of pauline how did you come to new orleans you're from ireland if that's if your accent is any indication uh but talk about how you came here how you wound up a bar owner and eventually we'll talk about i guess tyler how you got to Get on board over at Finns and then how both of you transitioned to Trao, because you're doing both for a while and then made the full switch over. So let's uh let's yeah, start start at the beginning. How'd you come to New Orleans?
2: Okay. Uh, question one. I came here on plane. <laughs> no. <laughs> no um, you didn't swim. <laughs> I, I did not swim here. No, um actually I came here on holiday several times. And I absolutely, I came here because I had read A Streetcar Named Desire, and I was fascinated. That's not an entirely
0: flattering picture of the city.
2: No, but it's actually uh, the the fact that it's, which is strange now, ironic, I suppose, the fact that it has an attraction with decay and redemption. Hmm. I was really attracted to those two themes in the play, A Streetcar Named Desire, and coincidentally... Whenever I came here I just that that's what I actually loved is just the the fact that it was an organic city mm. um I loved the people I thought the people of New Orleans had a similar sense of humor to Irish people very very dry wit very very hospitable very family oriented so I went back home to Ireland finished college made sure that I that I actually passed my degree I didn't even (laughs) stay for my own graduation I went to our college and I also did a postgraduate degree in education and I came straight back to New Orleans and then I actually tried to get and I'm because this is radio I'm imagine that there's inverted commas here I tried to get a real job so (laughs) I, I was a teacher for a while but unfortunately there's more money in bartending
1: yeah, definitely.
2: Which will also lead to the problems that we're having in society now. <laughs> yeah. um, so I was a bartender at Mix Irish Pub sure. on, on Bienville Street. And then lots of people kept on saying, well, you're running this place or your, looks like you're running this place. Why don't you open your own place? So Mix is a different type of bar to Finn's. Um, my husband wanted is a massive sports player or a sports um, watcher. And we decided to open up FinMacools which was essentially a sports bar. Cool. Oh I'm
1: sorry. sorry. No, I was gonna say, yeah, when did FinMacools actually open? In two
2: thousand and two. Okay. Um we bought it with um two other people and it was what our goal was to do was to try and open up a bar as a pub as similar to a pub in Ireland, which Mm -hmm. is in almost like a community centre. It's um a public house. Which I think that we were pretty successful with, and I think that it became such a community center after Hurricane Katrina, mm-hmm. so a lot of people would come to us in in that end, like how did we come to open trail? A lot of people came to us and said, like you should open up a femless uptown or you should open up a femcole somewhere else, and our our thought was, well, no femcols is femole. I, we didn't want to open up an uptown one because then that one would be possibly the Arsenal supporters <laughs> uptown. Finn McCool's and <laughs> and our idea was everybody should be able to watch sports together. Mm-hmm. That we should all be able to do things together and get along. So what we thought was um, there was oh, at that stage there was only, there was twelve mile limit at that and serendipity. Like if you wanted to go and get get a good cocktail, there was maybe one other place so a lot of people would go uptown or the Bywater or the Maroney on date nights and I thought well why don't we open up another like date night type of place and also because I'm an artist I wanted to do something that would support local artists so we opened trail cool all right Tyler
0: when did you start working at Finn McCool's
3: hmm Um, I want to say that this year I'm coming up on my it's either my sixth or my seventh anniversary working with the Pattersons overall so I I and has been open for about three and a half years, so maybe it was like 2010, 2011, I want to say.
0: When did you move to New Orleans? Are oh, you, I'm from New you're Orleans. You're from New, oh, that's Yeah. Okay, I'm that's
3: a show right. band, So. Uh, <laughs> <if you laughs> can't how long
0: have, from how the last long name? have you been yeah. in the uh, in the bar world? Was was uh, Finn's your first bar job, or no. where, where were you before that?
3: Um, so I actually started bartending. My first job was at Cafe Banquet. I don't know if people remember that. It was 2003. I want to say I was 18. And it was just one of those like club bars on Britannia Street that um, would have a line like wrapped out, you know, all the way from Britannia down to Saint Charles and. It was just kind of one of those Jaeger bombs, and you know,
1: yeah. Cafe Banquet was owned by the same people at that time who owned T.J. Quill. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> so, exactly. So. Yeah, I remember. I remember those fraternity parties. That was uh, that was a time. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's there's certainly been an evolution um, in my career. I know for a while after that, um, I did some time on Bourbon Street, as I think <laughs> most bartenders have. It's kind of one of those rites of passage. I feel like um, so it's kind of like putting in your time, you know. Um, so I did that, and that was stressful but busy. And then after that, it was like, okay, well, I've had enough of um, of that scene, per se. I went and – I actually took a break for a while. It was a cake decorator at Whole Foods. Cool. Ooh, that yeah. yeah. I did that for a whole year. And then, like Pauline said, there's a lot more money to be had in bartending than there is in other creative outlets. So. I actually went back to work. Um, I went to Rue 127 when Mm -hmm. Ray Gretzky was opening that up. And I helped him open that and kind of did some bartending and waiting tables. And that's where he brought on um, this guy named, uh, I can't remember his name now, Um, but he was was classically trained in making cocktails. He was fantastic. And so I kind of learned a lot from him in that respect of, you know, like how to make a Ramos, how to make a Pisco Sour, and all of these things that I'd never really been familiarized with before. And so... When I left there, um, I briefly worked at La Petite Grocery, but I'd been drinking at Fens for a while. I mean, that's kind of everyone's, you know, oh, you get off of work and, you know, you go to Fenn's and have a couple of beers, a shot, whatever. And so I'd been around there watching Saints games and whatnot. And then um, I was working at La Petite Grocery, and Pauline and Stephen came in to see me one night. Um, and I was waiting on Matt Dillon, I think is who I was. <laughs> and so, so Stephen, Stephen tells me he Before goes... Before she says
2: this... I am absolutely mad about celebrities. I can't, okay. I cannot yeah. handle myself.
3: <laughs> yeah. So that's Stephen. Uh, Pauline, they were sitting in a booth situation where Pauline's back was to Matt Dillon. And so Stephen was like, I guess you had gotten up to go to the bathroom or something. And Steve was like, tea is that Matt Dillon over there? And I was like, yeah, why? And he was like, do not tell Pauline. she freak out. And I was like, okay, fine. And so, I mean, the whole time I was, I think it was like a slow rainy night. So I just had Pauline and Steven and I had Matt Dillon. I was actually more excited to wait on Pauline and Steven. Like I was more starstruck about that. I was like, who cares about Matt Dillon? These people keep me hydrated after work, you know? So I think at like three in the morning, I got a message, a Facebook message from Pauline that was like, hey, are you interested in working at Fins?" And I was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, and so um, it was right before, I guess it was like a hurricane or something. And so, I mean, I ended up just, it was one of those things where it was going to be, okay, well, we can't guarantee you any shifts yet, but you can do pickup shifts and stuff. And I was like, I was in grad school and I was so crazy to work at Fins, like so excited about it that I was like, well, hell, I'll roll the dice, you know? Mm. What's the worst that can happen is if I don't get shifts, then I just have to go find another job. So I rolled the dice on it, and next thing you know, I had, like, permanent shifts there, and then um, finished grad school, and, like, had just defended my thesis and was like, I'm just going to bartend and relax, because I was working 30 hours a week at Fens and then doing full-time 12 hours of grad school every semester. So I wasn't getting that, like, relaxed, fun bartender... Like, I just couldn't go out and do things like everyone else did. So I was like, sweet, I'm going to relax. And that's when Trio opened. And it was, I'm going to start as an assistant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there as goes your relaxation. I'm <laughs> going to start
3: as an assistant manager. Okay, well, and then they just gave me, like, carte blanche to write the bar program, which at the time, I honestly did not realize the depth of, like, that responsibility. Mm. And I'm really glad that I didn't, because if I had, I probably would have panicked and cracked under it. But... It was just lots of sitting, tasting, learning, asking ridiculous amounts of questions, getting these really great relationships with the reps, and that's where I just really started to learn, I think, a lot of the foundation of what, you know, my knowledge is now when it comes to cocktails. But before you know it, I was the GM of Trejo, and I was like, cool. So I went from, like, 60 hours a week with grad school in Fins to just 60 hours at Trejo. So nice.
1: Putting that degree to use, right? Yeah,
2: She's well, saying se- 60, but it's way more than yeah. 60. <laughs>
0: So,
3: well, regardless, yeah, it's but I mean, like I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. This is like the craziest job of, I mean, like it's just crazy cool and it keeps me, you know, crazy on my toes at all times. So nice. I'm, I'm really thankful for everything that happened.
1: Cool. So um, I I think we've story. got a nice parallel that goes along here, Tyler, because um, you know you wanting to work at Fim and Cools. me I always wanted to work at 12 Mile Limited. It yeah. took me a long time to <laughs> get an opening here, but it's interesting with like these neighborhood bars. Um, they're very those places that you really like to. Hang out at, and you can see that like there's a good rapport, and you think you would fit in really well. I'm sure you get it all the time, Pauline. You probably get it now, Tyler. I know you get it all the time, Cole. But what's it like having to deal with like having regulars who are in the industry, which we get a lot of industry and in all of our respective establishments, who are like, so if you ever have an opening, like you know, I'd love to come and work for you. Let's uh, let's start with you, Pauline. What are, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Okay, excuse me, because I'm swallowing the most delicious sandwich ever,
1: brunch <laughs> yeah, at a Twelve brunch. Mile Limit, yeah. Uh, yeah. Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays. This there is actually
2: my breakfast and lunch combined So definitely brunch. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's hard to say. I'm a yes person. I'm a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I find it very hard to say no to some people that we just couldn't fit in, and it took a while, like people asking and asking and asking. Can I get in? So when Tyler said that we came to look to um, at, at our at our at the um, boutique grocery, yeah. We actually wanted to see her style of bartending to see our service to make sure that it was the service style that we were interested at, and would fit Finns. So, um, we do not only that. I mean, we have people asking to be bartenders, but we have people asking to do anything. Like, can I paint your building, or <laughs> can I can I brush up, or I mean, so it's it's hard to say no, but. I, I actually said yes more than an, anything to odd jobs, okay. not to bartenders. Bartenders are super, super important to business.
1: Mm. Mm. Well, thank you for saying that. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of bar owners, I don't think, have that same mentality. You're
0: all expendable.
1: How about for you, Cole? It is tricky. Did you say
3: expendables?
0: Expendables. <laughs> Yeah,
1: they're just cogs in a machine. <laughs> Jesus. I'm
0: kidding. Of course. That's yeah, I, I know. The
3: same bartenders forever. Yeah,
0: no. For us, it's hard, especially because there are a lot of people I would love to hire. I mean, Steve, the, the reason we didn't hire you for a long time is not because we don't love you. It's because it just never was the right su- time. Yeah, yeah, the timing just didn't work out. But <laughs> also, somebody had to die very, first. Pretty much. <laughs> we have ve- we, st- we tend to have very very low turnover. We've mm. talked about that before, and there, there's a number of reasons. The money here isn't amazing, but it's consistent. You to wear your own clothes, you have to play your own music, you get to make good drinks, but it's not in an environment where you have to feel stuffy, and it's it's friendly. It's it's a good place to work, so I've been told. It's, I'll never really know objectively, <laughs> um, but I guess based on our low turnover, right, it's safe to assume it's a good place to work. Sure. So yeah. it's just hard. Like people come and people do ask both friends and strangers all the time if they, if they can if there's an opening, and I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll put your name on the list. And but there's constantly a queue of people. And there's also a handful of people who I target who are like, whenever there's an opening, I call them first because I are like, I know that this person would be perfect here. I would really love to have them on board. Mm-hmm. And if we could just line it up well when there's the timing is right, then that could be really amazing. But it, you're right. You don't want to pull the trigger on that kind of thing no. hastily because you want to make sure that somebody's the right personality fit. There's a lot of elements to being a bartender that vary from, from venue to venue and to find the right person for the right place isn't easy. Yeah. So it's for all the people that are, are interested there's a very the Venn diagram isn't isn't always great. Yeah, so the the in terms of people's availability, being the right fit and it being the right time that it's it it has to almost it it feels like it, yeah that that window is so small. Yeah.
1: Uh, I'm not in the position to hire anybody anymore um which is just a blessing in my life <laughs> at the moment. But um when I when I was like running, you know, like wherever <laughs> uh <laughs> uh it, it was it was weird. Like especially I I did a lot of new openings. I was I was um you know, in charge of like that opening staff and like you know going through it and interviewing people or trying to recruit people who I'd known for years. Um, it's interesting to see how some people don't work out, and it's not anybody's fault. It's just like a fit thing. It's like okay, this isn't the style that fits you. This isn't the venue. This isn't the opportunity at the time. I mean, especially with new, new openings as well. Um, you you can't really guarantee money, you know, and that's one of those that's one of those very difficult things. Something I've had to deal with as well uh, is just you know I can't as a as a job provider you can't say like you know this is the money you're going to make I can give you this opportunity I can try and take care of you as much as possible I can give you hours hopefully. But I I can't tell you you're going to make this amount of money. I don't know what your expectations money is. And that's a weird thing with bartenders nowadays, too, is like I think it's that thing where like a bartender says how much money they make on a shift and it's like twice as much as they really make. (laughs) Uh, There's just this unrealistic idea of like how much money bartenders are actually making per shift. Uh, uh,
2: To go to that point, so it was sort of hard uh, uh, to initially hire people at Treo and we were trying to go with people that actually liked the cocktail making at Finn's. Mm-hmm. So we had a couple of bartenders that did do a transition, but it's hard to keep a bartender in a place. First of all, Tulian Avenue is like uncharted territory. <laughs> right. It's like trying to look at a map going, where is that? Mm. <laughs> so it was uncharted territory. So we didn't have the clientele that we had at Finn's. Plus by-nature cocktail-type bartending is slightly less money Mm -hmm. percentage-wise to...
0: You can't put out the same volume volume. if you're making more of the drinks from multiple ingredients to order.
2: So if you have a bartender that's working at one establishment and making three times as much, it's hard to sort of keep them at... It was hard to keep them at trail when we first opened.
1: Okay. So, Tyler, now Get you're in a position um, as GM of Ortreiro. Are you in charge of all the hiring and the personnel like yes. issues and things like that? Cool. <laughs> yes. She so, is
2: in charge of
1: everything. everything. Goodness. <laughs> 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 all right. So how is that yes. for you now? Like, you know, I'm sure you have people that you know. And you've been a great mentor recently as well, too, because you have a really interesting career track that I would like to go into a little bit, because sure. I, I saw you definitely when you started getting into cocktails. That's how we first met. Yes. Uh, but now you're kind of mentoring people and taking a lot of people who haven't had the chance to bartend. And giving them that opportunity to learn carafe cocktails. So, what is that like? Do um, you have a lot of people beating your door down to be like, "Yeah, can I just get a couple of shifts a week here at or Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And
3: it's 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 been very recent that mm. that's happened. It's not when we first opened, yeah. like Pauline said. And again, it's there's so we have people that walk through the door, customer wise, every day that are like, "Oh my God, we didn't even know this place existed." I hate and when when, say
0: that. When,
2: <laughs> when did you
3: open? Yeah, I that's... love it because <laughs> that
0: means you're getting somebody for the first time. Right. that's an opportunity for a regular that just right. walked in. And every, so, every time you can get a new regular, that's from a business standpoint. You that's get just, to tell them the story. Yeah. yeah. Have
3: you got a half an hour? Let's apply. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. And so, I mean, there's there's enough easy talking points in Treo. I mean, between the art gallery and that really crazy ceiling installation and then the awesome courtyard that, I mean, like, there's no there's shortage of, like, things to make customers new, but that, I guess that's not, or regulars, but that's not what we're really talking about right now. Um, so, for hiring... I mean, I had a really good friend of mine who works at Loa, who after coming to Treo about a month ago, was like, "Dude, I really want to pick up a shift or two at Treo, just every week, you know." And and I think that that's the thing that I keep running into is everyone wants to just, "Oh yeah, I'll just work one shift. I'll just work two shifts." And and it, it's just there isn't enough there is enough time in the day to hire all of the people that are fantastic. But it's certainly it's an honor for me when. People that I I I really really respect say things like that to me because then that makes me feel like at least I'm doing something right. But yeah, I do get lots and lots of uh, resumes and phone calls, text messages, things like that. And we have a really low turnover rate too. And the money's the money's pretty decent. Um, it's, you know, it's probably right on par with what 12 Mile does. Um, but we, I mean, the the only time that people really ever leave is if they're looking maybe to, like, go take that next step yeah. and be, like, a bar program director or to be more of, like, a bar manager.
0: Or move out
2: of state.
0: And the, I mean, there was a year... I think it was last year. I think it was last year that we lost three bartenders in one uh-huh. year, but all of them left to go open their own bars. And at some point it's just like, well, I can't even be mad at that.
2: We just high-fived because yeah. that's the goal of every bartender, <laughs> is it not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah I mean, that's Jeff, certainly my goal. So, so yeah, and then
0: I guess you can count Chuck, too, because Chuck, Chuck and Jeff both used to bartend here. Chuck had left for a while, a while back, but then Jeff was our GM here and then went to go be a partner at Bakery Bar with Chuck, and who owns Debbie Does Dobage. So, two of my former bartenders opened Bakery Bar. Uh, my bartender Sam moved back to the West Coast to open the Mule Tavern, which is sort of it was hermit crabbing an old dive bar and sort of putting in a little cocktail program there. And I was like, "Oh yeah, good, uh, good, good idea you had," yeah. <laughs> I, which I joke about. But he actually had that idea long before he even knew the Twelve Mile was a thing. It's, yeah, uh, um, and then. Lauren Holton, who I know that she and her partner were planning on opening Turkey and the Wolf years ago before she was a bartender here, but she was here before doing that. I was like, "Oh, this is look at all look at all
2: this." So, so people graduated from the school of twelve mile limit. I love it. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. But people, did you you give them certificates? Like (laughs) "Like, (laughs) we always should, (laughs) and
0: get them like graduation uh, gowns. One of our when, when Anderson Stockdale left. I, I bought her a gold watch nice. for a retirement party. Not like a solid gold. It was like, right. I got it from Costco. It was a nice
1: watch, but it was like... things to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're
0: never leaving, Steve. I
1: don't know if I told you uh, that. I, I, they've I, preferred
2: I actually... the attic space for you. <laughs>
1: I would actually prefer Welcome the... Welcome uh, to my world. <laughs> I would prefer the certificate that I get when I decide I don't want to run my own programs. I don't want to run my own establishments. And then you could be like, here's your certificate. You're a bartender again. It's like, <laughs> yes, awesome. It's like, how's inventory doing? I don't know. I don't care.
0: <laughs> I d- I do like the uh, when you talk about people just hiring people for odd jobs around yeah. that happens so often and, and our our accountant or my, my accountant, the bar's accountant too, which are slightly different things, but there's a lot of overlap obviously <laughs> um, my my lawyer, the people who do our sound system, a lot of, a lot of the people that do a lot of the work here, and some most of them have been quite good at what they do mm-hmm. and I'm always they've all started as regulars first at yeah. the bar and people just sort of and I think it's by virtue of having a neighborhood bar yeah they, it's you know people want to do that kind of work for their neighbors in their communities sometimes they'll accept some payment in trade and that's good for yeah. both parties and it it really I think having a bar that it really is a neighborhood hub you get that a lot more because people yeah. feel like that's part of building a community is, is, yeah. is creating and recognizing those opportunities right. and that that's just it just sort of happens. I'm not mm-hmm. even sure how, but it's i I'm very satisfied with all of the service that we get from those people, and they're still my accountant actually not so much because she has a couple of kids now, so she does, she does not the not the bargoer that she used to be, but our attorney is here seven to twelve times a week. I think he pays a light bill, honestly. <laughs> Pretty much. One like Smith it. and Forge at and, a time. And, yeah, he, well, for all the money we give him, he gives it all right back, yeah. which is great, though. That's that's kind of well, how it works. Yeah, that's
2: that's exactly how we viewed it. You know, like, if people are drinking in here and we have a job, I would rather give it to somebody that we actually know than outsource it to hmm. to somewhere else
1: or somebody that's drinking somewhere else. Nice. Yeah. So let's uh, switch back a little bit. uh So Tyler, the first time I met you, uh, I don't know if you remember. You yes, might have. I do You remember. won a cocktail competition. I did. We were having a, I believe it was a Cat Daddy cocktail competition. We we're highlighting bartenders who hadn't been doing craft cocktails. I think there were stipulations were like you were in your first year of doing craft cocktail bartending, if I'm not mistaken. And then it was Cat Daddy. I think the Apple Moonshine. moonshine. It was Mine the was a,
3: Cherry apple, Moonshine. Cherry
1: Moonshine. That was the one that was upstairs. Yeah, That's it was at the, yeah, at the balcony mm-hmm. bar.
3: the upstairs, of the balcony bar. Yep.
1: So I. Met Met you there and then like you guys brought up a slew of regulars to yes. come support Tyler, which was great. <laughs> of um, that's the way to win a cocktail competition, obviously guys. <laughs> of course. No, it really is. Um, yeah. ask Cole Newton. <laughs> yeah.
0: The more uh, people you can turn out, the better your chances.
1: Yeah. yeah so um if I uh, I'm not sure what the trajectory was because that was when Finn McCools was happening. Yeah. Um was that uh what was the impetus to start doing cocktails at Finn McCools?
2: Um actually we've been doing cocktails all the time. It's okay. just that uh people like my sister actually (laughs) she's the one that invented the frozen irish coffee that we have there but she also and she will fight you for this my sister joanne fitzpatrick mathern invented the strawberry shortcake
1: the strawberry shortcake
2: that shot do you know the one okay she invented that all right she will fight you for that (laughs) (laughs) but she like she was been making cocktails at uh Fins for ages. Mm-hmm. Bring what's in all the, of our fresh dif- fruit. What was the
0: difference? There's a lot of places that do a frozen Irish coffee, and I'm wondering if there's a big difference between, you know, no, say molly's or, <laughs> or, 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 well, yeah. or. What's? How do you create a? Do you just? Is it? Ha- yeah. Is, do you think there's a big difference between? I think I think there's, the, I think there's a big difference. Aaron Rose famously has one. I think Molly's. Well, there's several places that have them. What? Not, what I think your you're
2: starting out? a cont- uh, cocktail contest there for the Irish coffees. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I think I that would, that would be a good one.
0: Yeah. I w- uh, I, I'm curious just yeah. To, well, just to line a bunch, line several of them I mean, up no, and o- see what.
2: Obviously, people that go to the uh, go to Molly's say Molly's is the best, and obviously, ones that go to Finns say Finns is right, Fins Fins are the best. Yeah. Sure.
0: Yeah. But what's the? But
2: that's what I'm saying. Like we didn't have a frozen Irish coffee until my sister made it and uh, that's cheap Um, but again like I whenever I worked at mix I was doing cocktail stuff there okay it's just that we happen to be known as a sports bar Mm -hmm. and it's like you don't see people in their jerseys with a martini glass or,
3: (laughs) or whatever it's mostly
2: just beer right um but they've they've they just I think with the internet Mm -hmm. is whenever there was the explosion of who's doing what. I mean, it was just more, you knew what to get there. I mean, there was cocktails named after customers. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The the Christine
3: Fulton. Yeah.
2: The McAnaki.
3: But I mean, yeah, but I, and I mean, in that respect, like, I guess if you're looking at some sort of like divide between like, we, we certainly weren't making like French 75s, things like that. We were, it was kind of just like everyone coming up with their own sort of like fun thing. Um, but I mean, there, like, I, for instance, I um, I'll go in and fill in at Fenn's very, very rarely. Like St. Patrick's Day, I never get away from Finn's for St. Patrick's Day. I could live in Minneapolis, and they would fly me in. You're coming. Work. You're working St. Patrick's Day, right? Yeah. So, like, I, I actually leave. I take a vacation day from Treo just to go work at uh, Fenn's on St. Patrick's Day because it's, you know, it. it and so, it, anyway, it obviously not on St. Patrick's Day. It's just way too busy. Um, but for we worked, uh, Gretchen, who bartends at. Treo and myself went and worked. We filled in a shift at Fens, and I remember when I walked in. There's a there's still a lot of crossover between like people that are regulars at mm-hmm. Fens, right? I'm sure at Twelve oh, Mile sure, yeah. at mm. Treo, they kind of just make the and rounds. the staff
0: too. Like yeah. our, our staff will drink at Fens after work. Fens staff will drink here after yeah, work. Right. It's just, it's, yeah, just it's the neighborhood, and just everyone support. just kind of
3: moves around. Mm-hmm. And so there was some of the people that I knew from Fens and from Treo, and they were sitting at the bar, and they were like, "Hey, Tyler, I'm so glad you're here. Can you make me a Mai high? So I think the distinction to make between, like, the the cocktails at Finn's and then, say, for instance, the cocktails at at Treo or even 12 Mile, for instance, since we are kind of in this, like, little loop together, is that, you know, it's more of the – there's more – at there was more of the classical focus on things to where these are the cocktails that have been called for, that you can bring them back from, like, different parts. You know, I mean, some of these stretch back all the way, like, before Prohibition and things like that. And so these are the ones where you're taking a lot more time to balance with, like – with like equal measurements, you know, and just, and there was more of a precision involved in it. Whereas I think at Finn's, it was more of like a, here's a three count pour of this one and a two count pour, which there's, there's a lot to be said, are, I think. Are, on are both like, do you know what would go
2: really good in that rum? Watermelon.
3: Right. <laughs> right. Which again, it sounds
2: delicious.
1: <laughs> it's really, yeah.
3: It's, and I think it's all just really specifically catered to like what the needs of the bar is. So for instance, you can't, you can't do like, uh Measured out cocktails at Finn's during a soccer match. I trust me from experience, you can't do it. It's too busy, mm-hmm. and you would just be, you know, you'd be overwhelmed. Whereas it's a, a bit of a slower pace. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we've had crazy busy nights at Trail where at the end of it, everyone's just looking at each other like, and it's more of it, instead of like being muscle sore, you're like mental sore,
1: yeah. you mm-hmm. know, where
3: your brain is like, oh my god, I can't even do two plus two at this point yeah. because I've just remembered. The measurements for thirty three different cocktails. Right
1: on. What I really appreciate appreciate about that time as well too, which I think is missing from a lot of people who want to all of a sudden like jump into craft cocktails or you know they want to go run their own program is, um, I believe y'all made an effort to make sure to educate your staff. Uh, yes. You. I, I yes. Saw you back ha- to yeah. Tyler.
2: Tyler. It's <laughs> <Tyler. laughs> all Tyler. But uh,
1: I ran into uh, one of the first days I was capping during Tales of the Cocktail a couple, like, around that time. And um, you were there with a bunch of people from Finns, and you were all taking um, the uh, Smart slot, yes. right?
3: Yeah. Yeah, we all got uh, Smart certified.
1: Which is amazing, actually. Yeah. That's, that, that's a really cool initiative to go through. It's a really great educational process. It doesn't happen in New Orleans that often as well, too. So, like, taking advantage of a situation like that is really wonderful. And yeah. I think that continues as well because um, y'all were really great. Uh, Lush Life did um, this thing called the Econo Tour, which was this uh, educational like tour throughout the country or through the you know Midwest, Southeast, and then the East Coast. Um, and you know we were looking for a venue for it, and immediately. Both of y'all were like, "Yes, here you guys can totally do it here at trail. We would love to host that, and you know showed up, put um, <laughs> put <in> the majority <laughs> of the effort Tyler on that on that endeavor as well too, which was really great, I mean, and
2: I think we've come up with a common denominator here mm mm-hmm. the the word is Tyler. Tyler.
3: <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: she's, she's
3: blushing now. Well, I mean, Lush Life has done so much for me, too. I mean, even just so much as, like, the very basic of Camp Run which is, like, God, I cannot emphasize enough how important and incredible that experience is. Cole, you and I had a conversation about that a week yeah, ago just, in yeah. terms of not even just, like, like, professional growth, but in terms of, like, personal growth. And as someone who's – I know it, it sound, it's always comes as a shock to most people, but I'm incredibly introverted. And so – and very type A structured. And so something like that experience was really great at helping to, I think, let myself still be structured but also feel that, like, comfort to be able to grow out. And I, and I, I guess even more broadly, that's really important when you're, like, educating your staff. You want them to feel confident in what they're doing. So even if they are introverted or extroverted, then there, there's this level of confidence from knowing that, like, well, I have this, like, safety net of an index box with, you know, cards that have all the recipes written on it. But then it's also – I'm not going to tell – Anytime I train a new bartender, I don't know if this happens to you as well, Cole, or even you, Steve, at that point. But they'll always come to me and go, oh, wait, what's in a French 75 again? Oh, wait, what's the measurements for a last word? Oh, what's the measurements for a Vesper? And I'm always like, there's a box right behind you. And so I think it's that, like, giving them the tools. Yes. Instead of, like, just holding their hand and doing it for them, I have, like, that really laid back sort of...
1: Or and putting I think that, them that down as well. Like it's like I can't believe you don't know. What's uh, right. right, we went over this.
0: Yeah. Right, <laughs> which how many we,
3: times do you need to be told that? Right, <laughs> which I don't really go over it with people. No. I email them like my master like cocktail list that I have before they start their first day of training. I'm like, I highly encourage you to look over this for all of our signature cocktails. We do a cheat sheet and we batch as much as possible because why not take one extra step out of it? It's not cheating. It's just working efficiently. So well, yeah, we've
0: we've done that at Twelve Mile for for. Pretty much ever, yeah. If you have shelf stable components and yes. you can instead of pouring from seven different bottles, you're pouring from three different bottles. That adds up real quick to yeah. a to a, much, to a much more efficient system. Yeah, and and in a lot of ways, you can make cocktails more accurately if you know if you're, you're you're measuring out your batch and you're measuring you know four ounces of something. It's a lot easier to measure four ounces within you know a quarter ounce of being accurate. whereas right. if you're measuring that same thing. For a single cocktail, you're doing, you know, a quarter ounce of that thing. If you're off by an eighth of an ounce, that's a fifty percent margin of error for that component. Right. So I, I'm a big proponent of batching cocktails, but only with the shelf stable ingredients. You can exactly. Mix and then if you're mixing the citrus or anything effervescent to order, you're still doing what most guests look at and they're like, ooh, yeah, they're like pretty. you're like a real mixologist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the most common compliment I get. Is like people see me mix two things together and shake them. They're like, ooh, are you a, like mm. a real mixologist? I'm like.
3: Or shaking yes. two shakers guess, at the same sure, time, you know. Oh, yeah. Everyone freaks wow. out when you're. They're like, "Oh my god, how are you doing that?" And I I'm do. like, "Muscles."
1: <laughs> I bet mean, a lot of people have. Everyone has their shake different, weight. like two shakers. Shake. <laughs> yeah,
0: I've settled on one where it's just just like both hands up. Yeah, I call it the monster. It's like I'm a monster. Yeah. Like, ah. the wacky waving
3: inflatable failing yeah. on tube man. That's what I got. Where I'm just all over
0: the place. You know, <laughs> wacky, wacky, waving inflatable tube man. That's a good one too. Yeah, <laughs> but
3: um, yeah, I learned that at a USB. I remember setting. And this is just to, again go back to show you that I had no earthly clue what I was doing when I stepped into the doors at Treo. And I'm really comfortable saying that. I guess three and a half years later and enough falling on my face. But I sat in on a USBG seminar with Bacardi and the guy was like, here's ways to make your bar more efficient. And one of them was like batching non-perishables. And I was like...
2: (gasps) (laughs) <laughs>
3: what that's the greatest idea ever and so I instantly went back to Treo, and I was like this is what we're doing now and I was just my mind was so blown by something and so like looking back on it I'm just like well that's you know <laughs> that's cute because like I don't know how it just wasn't coming but anyway that's just again to go speaks to more of just like how much I think I've grown personally as like a bartender and especially as a manager and like, I've never managed anything, but I couldn't even manage my own like checkbook you know yeah. <laughs> before <laughs> before Dreo, so you know here we are now, anyway, cool. yeah
0: well, I want to talk what, what, I think a lot of people were probably I was surprised when I heard that Pauline that you and you and your partner in life and business had decided to sell Finn McCool's i i mean I'm sure that was a tough decision for you, but I, I mean Finn McCool's for many years like i said earlier it was it's it's success was why i knew that 12 mile was not as risky a proposition as a lot of people might have thought it was um and it's been listed in every list as one of the most either most popular bar in mid-city or most popular bar in the entire city of new orleans it's one of just consistently busy and i was for that reason because of how successful it was was it was It just not ch- like, oh yes, we, you did it, you know. You, you, you it was became, what, there was nowhere to go from there. What was the decision to, to unload or to sell or to move on from whatever, however you describe that that process from what was arguably the most popular bar in the city?
2: Um, God, you'd need like twenty podcasts for the answer of this. <laughs> <laughs> We're I'll try almost and, to twenty episodes. <laughs> I will try and condense it to a couple of like talk uh, points, I suppose. First of all, myself and my husband turned 50 last year um we whenever we started fins we knew what we wanted to create and we created it and we and i feel like we did a really good job now we had several setbacks we had hurricane katrina which had us back and then we had a divorce in our partnership with another well, we had two divorces really <laughs> with our partners um, that we opened Fins with. And um, it got to the point where we don't have kids. We knew that we had X amount of years left of hard labour. <laughs> and I mean, what do you work for? You work to be able to enjoy life. And at that, that, it was whenever we opened Trail and having the two places, it got to a stage where we weren't able to do any travelling and we weren't able to see our family so we were thinking you know we've Traeho has grown or Finns has grown up Finns is now can hold its own Um, it's established Um, we wanted to be there forever so we basically curated a deal with one of the customers that comes in there an Irish it was important that it went to somebody Irish and went to somebody that had children because we wanted because we don't have children, and we wanted it to last forever.
1: That is so cool! that's yeah. <laughs> amazing.
2: <laughs> so we wanted it to. We wanted. We didn't like. We could have. We could have knocked it for sale sign on the. Sold it to somebody, you know, yeah. that wouldn't have kept it in Irish bar. But we wanted it to go to an Irish-born person with children that would keep it in Irish bar. And we sold it in June of 2016. And I can remember being at home in Ireland, and him calling us and going we're going to paint, and I was thinking, oh, okay, Um, we're painting the doors, and I came back and they'd painted them the exact same colour. <laughs> like, Sean Kennedy, Carmel Kennedy, they don't, they... They want it to be fins, mm. so obviously, people are going to say, Oh, well, it's not the same, but I think people say that because we're not there as much, and I think they just got used to seeing our
0: faces the whole time. I, I was worried it was going to change, but it's cha- it's hardly changed at all. It,
2: it, I mean, it's obviously it's going to change a small amount because we're not there, seriously, but it would have changed bench. if
0: you were there. Everything I, is I in agree,
2: flux. I agree because we had been when we opened the bar in 2002, we've had like maybe five waves and you can probably see this too we had like five waves of customer base coming through like so we would have a customer our initial customers all those initial customers are married with kids so they get to come in maybe once a month well some of them are still bartenders (laughs) but they would come in and maybe come in once a month or once every two months but they would come in and look around and go who are these people in my pub and I go well I know all of these people now because I'm here mm-hmm. I'm the constant so as a constant I saw five waves of new people coming through that I knew all of their lives and each wave of people that came through brought their needs and wants that we said yes to because we're yes people. And slowly, Finn's changed from the from the opening to, to whenever we sold. So obviously, through the waves mm-hmm. of customers that come through. Yeah, just responding
0: to, to, to yeah, demand.
2: Yeah, so um, while there's customers that we've had from 2002 that we're still super, super s- strong friends with, and there's customers that we met last year that, like, we went to their house for dinner. Oh. You know. Mm-hmm. So, nah. I mean, it's just that there's people that... There's just people that will always be in your life, yeah. no matter what wave they came in.
1: Awesome. I had a, uh, a really great opportunity recently. I got to go to Ireland for the first time um, uh, for about four or five days. And um, I the only way I could describe it was, um, do you you guys know the show King of the Hill? Yeah. So King of the Hill I never really got until the first time I went to Texas. <laughs> and then that show became really, really funny to me. Um, <laughs> Finn McCool's <laughs> always <laughs> Finn McCool's always an amazing bar, but like there's a lot of thing about... American Irish pubs I didn't really understand like uh, they sell
0: kits for Irish pubs where you can basically get a cookie cutter Irish bar (laughs) as a a theme and they'll just send you all of the crap to put on the walls and tell you how to you know what you need to have as specials and you, it's it's Irish themed bars yeah. are well more common in the United States yeah. than actual Irish pubs
1: they don't measure up the all the pubs I went to and we went to a lot of pubs when we were in uh, Ireland uh, like in uh, Middleton and in Cork and it, it was great but like it kind of was this connection for me to realize how special Finn McCools is because yeah. it out of all these Irish pubs I've been to in America it's the closest one that I was like w- when I stepped into a place in Ireland for the first time to have a to have a pint um, it, it felt like very familiar to me yeah. and I think that's that was amazing
2: you know yeah I think and again it goes to what we've all been saying is the community helps build it and I think once you have the community pub then then that's it you've you you, you've done your job Mm -hmm. and I mean you're saying 12 miles geographically in the center between Finns and Treo. I I still feel like one of the reasons why we opened Treo was because we felt that from Bowdoin to Tulane Avenue and from Carrollton down to Jeff Davis was just completely abandoned. It felt like nobody... And I, can I curse... Yeah. yeah well, Nobody so gave a shit about this that part of the neighbourhood, and it was like, well, it's okay. Well, whenever you open twelve mile, before that, it was yeah, go to banks, but don't go to Bowden. Mm-hmm. And but I honestly think, even from the space of time that twelve mile has been here, there's still that disconnect. Mm. Like, don't go beyond twelve mile limit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So our um, our goal at Treo was to. L- Every part of Mid-City should be Mid-City. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many benefits of being in the neighbourhood organisation. Um, we're all part of the Museum and City Park Cultural Products District. I got that expanded t- so that there's tax credit- credits available. And I just thought that let's try and expand it. And I still think there's a sticking point with Tulane Avenue. So yeah. we'll we'll have to see where it takes it us. It's
3: still a work in progress, it for is. sure. I mean, we see our business growing Sorry, <laughs> I was super uh, super relaxed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we see, uh, I mean, like we see the business at Treo. It grows pretty much like every month, you know, yeah. it, 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 within the within the parameters of like, well, this is summer, and so you're only gonna. I mean, everyone, you know, yeah. we sure. all know. But you've
0: been around long enough that you can see the the year to year. Yes, you, it's not necessarily fair to measure April against August, exactly. But it's fair to measure August 2017 against August 2016.
3: Yeah. Exactly, and I mean, I think that we're seeing, you know, I, and also like I, I just want to point out that with Treo, I think. We we have such a dynamic space there that it's it's really given us the platform to work with a lot of nonprofits and a lot of like community um, community development sort of situations. So like for instance, uh, Pauline organized this wonderful uh, this wonderful uh, panel lecture last night um, for this author who wrote uh, Kathy Shore, who wrote the book um, Shot. So it just it gave so it it gave a in a community that's like so raw and sensitive to gun violence you know right now and not just within the uh, the the lines of Mid City but in the city as a whole it really g- it gave an opportunity for the community to come out and to sit and talk with survivors of gun violence which I think is opening up the doors to like healing which is something that we're trying to do with as many different aspects in the in the community as possible and I think that's going to be Treyo's contribution to the development of community is creating mm-hmm. a safe space where and I know Cole, you do an unbelievable job of that here. And it's, you know, it, it's just it's great to see so many different spots that are trying to work in different ways to connect a community. Yeah, you know? and again, going back, the whole idea of a pub to begin with was it was a, a,
2: a public space for drinkers that weren't ha- weren't having to be members. Mm-hmm. So it was like a kick, uh, like a pushback against upper class um, drinking men's clubs. So this became a public house. How does a public house work? It becomes community-driven. 12 Mile Limit, Finns, Trail, all community... Three Palms, The Drifter, mm-hmm. all 504 Craft Beer Reserve. I mean, all becoming super, super community-driven. Yeah. Right.
1: So. I'm very proud of all the spaces around here. Finns set up precedents for that, but everything yeah. that right now is very... Open, comfortable space. Like yeah. last night, uh, this party got out at the Drifter, which is this uh, motel that opened up on Tulane. It's a tell. It's, a, it's a tell. They've, <laughs> they've got rid of the mo. Oh, it's no mo. <laughs> <laughs> There's no Not mo. There's
2: no motor. But uh, they, they've got
1: a pool space that's available. And uh, I'm, I'm going to give credit to y'all as well. I mean, like 504 and and the Drifter and everything. All those renovations and businesses that now feel comfortable going on Tulane. You guys were the icebreaker. You were oh, like yeah. the you were you were the. They uh, were
2: out right on their own yeah. for a
3: long, <laughs> <Yeah>. long. <laughs> time.
1: The, the Canary the in the trenches, yeah. yes. So, um, it's great to see them here. But like this uh, party ended at the Drifter, and I was just by my lonesome here at the bar, and uh, just this wave of people came in, and like I honestly had a very hard time, like kind of pinpointing where they're coming from because it was like all ages and all races and all like you know, yeah, you know, orientations awesome. and everything, and it's just like this very cool group of people. And then I was just like, are you guys coming from a party somewhere? And so I was like the Drifter. I was like, that's cool. That's very cool. <laughs> But yeah. I mean, it's great to just have so many spaces where I don't think that crowd could have gone anywhere and just felt just as comfortable as they would at any of these establishments,
3: yeah right
0: it really is I, I think it was a very brave choice to open when you did on Tulane and everyone knew that the, that 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 corridor was primed for a revival because they built the medical complex down at the end. there were a lot of these businesses that were that were there and waiting to be flipped over. And I think, other than Avery's on Tulane, I think deserves they a o- lot of credit too. Oh, they yeah. opened right oh, yeah. around the same time the Twelve Mile Limited, so well, well before anything else in that that new wave. But you guys were definitely out in front, especially for the bar scene. And yeah. to see Five Craft Beer Reserve, which is one of the best beer like craft beer stores in the city now, yeah. and and the Drifter and the Ben Louis, which is another boutique motel mm-hmm. that just opened over. And on then that the Distillery, of, the Distillery that's Por- opening,
2: Porch up. Jam Distillery is Porch Jam. Oh my God! Oh my God! Uh-huh. So exciting! Huh. So yeah, it's but
0: behind you, the much in the same hotel. way that Cure our, that we're uh, contractually obligated to mention at least every other episode <laughs> um, did that did that same uh, did the same thing on Ferret. Several years ago, that you guys were sort of doing that—that that somebody, the that somebody had to be first. And if you yeah. look at Ferret now, I think that's that could be where Tulane is headed in a couple well, of years.
2: Again, um, whenever we first opened Trio, so my sister is a real estate agent and she works for Ladder and Bloom. And I, what I wanted to do was work with her to try and help ne- the neighborhood from Jeff Davis, from Carlton to Jeff Davis and Tulane to, to to Bank Street. Hmm. I. We, through MCNO, applied to expand the Museum and City Park Cultural Products District to include those areas because, for some reason, when they drew that boundary, they sk- they actually drew it and <laughs> cut out fins, even. Yeah, that's so not
1: I, for some reason. That's uh, very on purpose, I think. Yeah.
2: So I got it expanded, and there's tax credits available for that, and you can actually go to the, the web the museum and city park cultural products district website to find out what is available but i I flyered the neighborhood targeted renters and said are you a renter do you want to own a house come to these seminars and we did like four or five uh, first time home buyer seminars um and my sister it it was really her and eileen did a brilliant job with them um so a lot of people are saying, "Oh, but the gentrification—you mm. know—you're pushing uh, pushing people out of their neighborhood." We really, really, really tr- had a concerted effort to try and include as many people as possible. Um, whenever we opened tr- tr- Treo, our goal was to get as our, well, our thought was a lot of places would open on Tulane Avenue. What ended up happening was a lot of properties got renovated between banks and Tulane. And there's still properties abandoned on Tulane Avenue from Katrina. Mm-hmm. Now, that is an outrage. And this I think the city should be somewhat ashamed of that. Because, you know, you can't revitalize an area unless... A, a lot of these owners are holding on to the property because they think, oh, well, there's a medical center going there. Why would I sell this now for a million whenever I can get five million? Yeah. Or, you know, so it just right. doesn't make sense. It, it's, it's not productive well, for the They're repaving
1: the Bourbon Street right now, so <laughs> they got to concentrate yeah. on that. Yikes. <sighs> Goodness. All righty. Well, we've reached pretty much the end of our show right now. We always like to catch our girls, guests off guard a little bit with uh, what we like to call parting shots. Um, this would be a good time. Shots? Yeah. To- <laughs> <laughs> do, do you drink Irish whiskey?
2: I actually am sober sober. nearly a year. Cool. Um, I stopped drinking on August twentieth. Not that anyone's counting. (laughs) No, I
0: stopped drinking in August. Pauline has joined the ranks of our sober bar owners in the community. (laughs) Not that I'm entirely sober. I probably drink a little bit more than you do, but I'm not nearly the amount that I used to. Right.
1: But well, anyway, so Parting Shots, let's, let's go ahead and uh, let you guys reintroduce yourselves, uh, say where we're at, uh, if we get the address of where we can find you at, and maybe any upcoming events that are you know to be in the near future. Okay,
2: cool. My name is Pauline Patterson. I'm one of the owners of Treo on Tulian, which is at 3835 Tulian Avenue. I hope people will come in and see us. I really wish you had been there last night because it was an awesome event. Um, we do monthly Fundraising pub quizzes that are themed. Last month's was uh, Tyler and John had designed uh, summer,
1: summer blockbusters. Blockbuster so
2: the next one is going to be doctors and nurses.
3: What? What? <laughs> and it be, and it benefits the EMS fund. Cool. Do
1: you have a date for that?
3: Yeah, it's going to be July nineteenth.
1: Okay, awesome. so for
3: those of us who aren't celebrating Downtown at Tales, if you mm-hmm. want to come do something fun and charitable.
2: And, and our next art opening, we do monthly art openings. Our next ma- monthly art opening is April, or sorry, April. <laughs> sorry. I
3: was like, wait, what? <laughs>
2: Maybe I should have a drink. Yeah. <laughs> is July 7th. And the show is called Altered Images, a mostly photographic show. Cool.
3: Yeah. Hey, I'm Tyler Chauvin, um, the general manager of Treo 3835 Tulane Avenue. Um, yeah, I guess we do a lot of like monthly things. Pauline was talking about the uh, charity. We're also going to try and do... Um, I don't know what my brain is like. I, my brain's kind of faltering right now on that. Uh, but that was the big thing I was going to talk about was the quiz. too? you know what I mean? We do them every month. So it's just... Yeah. Yeah, that's all I can really think of right now. Sorry. <laughs>
0: that's, all, that's okay. Like, oh. uh, once again, this is Cole. I'm really happy to have been, that, that you guys have been here for as long as you have on on at Finn's and then at... And then at Treo, you've been the best neighbors that a young bar owner oh, could God. ask for. I, I always, if we run out of ones, I know that you always have a deeper bank than we do. We'll bo- borrow bottles from each other. We'll, we'll send people either way. It's really just just having a community of bars in a neighborhood makes it that much easier for each individual yeah. bar. And it's really been a blessing to have you guys as as sort of the bar to look the big bar brother to look up to down yeah. the block. Thank so, you. I appreciate thank you. that.
3: Yeah, and I feel the same. I, I know just personally, I feel the same way about uh, Twelve Mile. Even though like we have a bit of a different atmosphere, I really I really do look at you as one of the pioneers in terms of doing cocktails in kind of a relaxed environment. So thank you for doing that because I think it makes it more approachable to a wide variety of people.
1: Got to expand the franchise.
3: Yeah, drinking and learning.
1: <laughs> Coolio, y'all. This has been another episode of Around with Stephen Cole. Uh, once again, I'm Steve Yamada. T. Cole Newton, and we're gonna catch you next week. Cheers.